I actually, the very first time that I had a very intense experience, I actually had to, it's difficult for people to understand, I had to die in order for me to go and do what I needed to do at that time. I needed to leave the body behind, uh, have this experience, uh, not knowing at that time whether or not I would be back, but uh, knowing after I crossed over, I knew I will come back. You know, and the experience was that I saw my mom and dad, and they're not dead, you know, they're still alive and very young, you know, but um, I saw these two beings that one was my mom, the other one was my dad, and they were about in their, you know, mid-twenties. And so they were so young, because I've, I've, you know, always as a kid, they're always, you know, getting older and older, so I've never really known them or remembered them being this young. And so I sort of, I guess, floated, if you will, over to them and, um, you know, I just hugged my mom, you know, because I was so excited to see him. I, it's, I remember thinking, like, well, hold on, why are they here? They're, they're not dead. They're still alive. Later on, I learned, I learned that's the higher aspect of themselves. The, low, the, the uh, lower aspect of them is still alive and having a life and experiences, but the higher is always on the other side. And yes. it's the case for all of us. Yes. You know, and so when I hugged my mom, uh, I immediately got images and feelings and this memory that before I was born, I begged them. I begged them to be who they are, uh, for them to squeeze me, you know, to to really, you know, as they did beat the shit out of me, you know, so that I can um, have that difficult life, that different gift, this difficultness in my heart that I would try to work out that would eventually get me to where I was so that then I could have this experience basically to change my entire belief system and and uh, I remember that very well that I was begging I said please be who you are so I can become who I am you know and so you got to accentuate the positive wow I feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour, Accentuating the Positive. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective, whom I've called blissful beings. Here on Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. I'm so excited to introduce you to Adnan Adimovic. Did I say it right? Right. (laughs) Oh, we've got all people. He's in the library at the moment because Adnan... Adnan lives in the, out in the woods, out in the bushes, so the internet's not so great out over there, out there. So uh, he's in the library, so there's a few people walking past. But that's okay. It's not any better in the library either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not any better in the library either. But I wanted to 
talk to you today because Adnan is the creator and the founder of UFO Hub, which also interviews people, Awakening Consciousness. He says to me that he's a truth seeker and he's just an all-round fabulous, nice guy. One of those people that would do, you would do anything for anyone, Adnan, I can tell. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I saw you released recently, uh, I've always admired your work. I have to say, you know, cruising the internet, looking for conscious conversations because I put on conscious conversations, I've seen many. And when I came across UFO Hub, I was so, uh, you know, blown away at the quality of what you do and, um, you know, the the camera work and the lighting and everything. But unlike me as an interviewer, you don't even put your face on camera. You don't even put your voice on camera. You just give the questions to the people that you're interviewing and then they answer the questions. So you're completely behind the scenes. I want to say, after watching you share your story on your channel the other day, I'm blown away at the awareness that you have gained in your truth seeking and I just felt like I really wanted to share that with people and and also your awakening story so shall we start at the beginning like the search this you know how it all happened like you did on the on the show on your other show sure it's a journey uh, that started then and still continues and what I still can't get used to it's um especially for the last three times including this one which is the third that people would contact me and want me to talk about the experiences. I mean, I just set out to learn what I could on my own for myself and um, uh, didn't, you know, wasn't really, um, I knew people were always interested. I just didn't know that it would merit this much interest to come to conferences and have interviews and whatnot. Because I thought what I have to say has been in a way covered by many different people already on different levels. And, um, those are always great stories, but like I've said in my previous talks, um, I set out to actually have that experience. You know, and I don't mean just in a general term, to literally say, if they say we're all one, I wanted to feel that. I wanted to experience that. If they said that a certain term in metaphysics works, you know, like um, you know, what you put out is what you get back, a law of abundance, you know. And so I set out to actually prove it for myself. And uh, the, the journey just, it's very interesting the way things turned out because some things were expected, most of the things were totally unexpected. And um, it uh, obviously changed just my perspective about everything, about uh, um, my existence, my relationship with people and um, everything in general. And so I initially started out to do these different interviews because I wanted I don't like necessarily being on camera, because <laughs> not because I'm shy, but I like the privacy. I like living in the woods, like you said, because uh, right now I live in Huntsville, Arkansas. And uh, before that, I lived in Robertsville, Missouri. And both locations were pretty much in the woods because I like that privacy. Uh, it allows me to do the kind of soul searching that, that I feel I need to do while I'm here. And uh, you learn a lot. You know, a lot without the distractions of cars and cities and all these other noises that generally are involved with cities. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, people love living in them. I lived in one for a very long time. But um, uh, eventually, it just came time to where I needed quiet. And I was serious enough about this to 
changed my life in such ways to where, you know, I broke off TV a long time ago, just all kind of cable access. Mm-hmm. I mean, still have TVs to watch shows, but it's shows I choose to watch instead of just kind of uh, being inundated with all kinds of programming, as they call it, mm-hmm. uh, on TV. And, uh, yeah. Right. And so um, just living my life in that way of brings in or allows all the other things to come in to know about what it is that I need to know. And so... You said... Um, uh, sorry to interrupt you. You said... Uh, sorry. You know, during your little talk that I saw that you were working for, was it Monsanto? Monsanto? And you were just right. your average guy just doing what everybody does, you know, working for the man and earning some money and paying the bills and right. going out and having a good time and all that sort of stuff. But something sparked in you and you started asking questions. Was it You were watching all these conspiracy theorists talk, weren't you? And you were going, ah, right. bah humbug conspiracy theorists, I'm not into that. Well, no, it wasn't like that actually. No. I found the conspiracy theories interesting, but um, I found it to be, it wasn't working for me. You know, it's, um, I learned about all this stuff, you know, and uh, I, for a very short time, and thankfully, I started living my life uh, based on these new conspiracy things that I've learned. But this is after this Monsanto incident, which I'll go into. I just want to clarify that it, it didn't make me any happier, you know, the more you learn and the more you set out to let other people know and inform, it kind of constantly creates a little barrier, a little wall. Uh, I always like to use the expression now that I would rather give you know, a, a person a spoon of some kind of food to eat when they really need it, as opposed to to give them a spoon when they're absolutely full. You know, it's, I, I like to be there at that moment when they actually need a piece of information. But I found myself following these different, um, what we call conspiracy theories, have a lot of truth in them. But I did not have the experience behind it. And so basically, by following a conspiracy theory, I've just now changed one belief to another belief. So here I am just running around, living my life believing, but not actually absolutely knowing. Uh, and so I just became another repeater to everyone about everything else, about 9-11, uh, about uh, just governmental structures. And the thing is, even the governmental structure itself, it's not even a conspiracy. There's information on government sites, uh, just even your regular textbook explaining to you how government runs. And so if you have any other opposing view that could improve on that system, it's immediately con- uh, labeled a conspiracy theory, while actually there's all facts that are considered to be facts. And so why people don't choose to look into it, to inform themselves more, to understand more, I, I still have to figure that out. I've gotten some answers of why that is. Of course, there's this um, yearning to want to have everyone immediately understand everything I understand. But uh, I, like with everything else, you, you have to go slow with every piece of information. And sometimes every piece of information would take several years for each person to digest before they can uh, move on to something new. Because I started and still am very much into UFOs because of that interest of what UFOs are. It started when I was around 15. And so from that time, all the way up until 2006, working at Monsanto, uh, I was still kind of a closet ufologist, so to say. Uh, I don't consider myself a ufologist, but I guess if I had to apply a term, I I will, uh, just so that people can get an idea. 
ufology generally measures and uh, records and you know archives information. In that sense, I'm not a ufologist. But if you would to say ufologist, uh, someone that tries to seek the truth about what UFOs are, then in that sense, I am. I've followed, I mean, I read um, all these things about UFOs and I've learned a great deal from age 15 till about 2006. But like, like speaking of beliefs, it was just a belief. And I was very convinced that, okay, I, what I read, this sounds true. You know, I, I believe that and I just, you know, held on to that. But I kept having that same mentality of believing, believing, believing. So what happened was uh, when I was at Monsanto at that time, I was oblivious for what Monsanto was, what Monsanto does. And so I just wanted a job. Um, I had about uh, six months before I graduated. They were um, having all the agents go from campus to campus trying to find people to work as co-op with a a potential offer to be hired full-time. I applied and had the interview and was accepted. So I worked uh, for the last six months of my graduation at Monsanto, just doing website stuff. While I was in that process, I was the manager, the director, I guess, for that department would call me in and into his office and would constantly ask me questions. There would be questions about how do I like working there and then about the company itself, whether or not I um, agreed with what Monsanto does. And so not knowing all the specifics and being totally oblivious to to what they're doing. Long story short, it did not work out. You know, being asked these questions week after week made me look up more about the company and what what it is that the company does. And so uh, while I was researching that because I wanted to sound you know, professional answering these questions that caused me to uh, look into all these other avenues that uh, came up within my search, which was what I guess people generally would consider these conspiracy theories. And so it uh, uh, made me aware about things that I was not aware of before about Monsanto. And so uh, it kind of made me in a way really mad that now I was working for a company that I don't agree with and all that stuff they do until I was um, you know, learning more about this. And I saw this video about 9-11 and it said, uh, you know, never before released footage about the Pentagon. As I was uh, watching, you know, you see this little snippet on the right hand side come up and it's the footage of a, uh, a security camera at the gate and uh, a little snippet pops up on the right. And then next thing you see, it hits the, the building. And however, I tried to make it fit into a plane, uh, as they say, it, it just would not fit. It was making me feel uncomfortable, you know, because it's this feeling about, okay, this is official. This is coming from uh, the officials that we've been always told to follow. And when they say something, that is the truth. And so when I kept looking at it, I've been in airplanes many times before, uh, flying to Europe and back, and they're pretty huge, especially the yeah. intercontinental ones. And so when I um, saw that little snippet in the video and then hit it at the building, I said, like, well, where's the rest of the plane? You know, there's, uh, you know, even just 
the way he was flying, you would think there would be all kinds of debris uh, or the, the engine flying off. I mean, literally all these things that would give you the indication that it's a plane hitting something, but instead it was none of that. It went into the building up in smoke and it seemed to be a small impact area. But I'm just sharing these um, thoughts with you to, to describe what went through my head, all the questioning that I had, because at the same time, I'm almost, um, I wouldn't say freaking out, but I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is official, and it, but it's, it seems to be a lie. I cannot accept this. And so the, that brain thought and that feeling that I was having uh, just basically, you know, made me, uh, you know, made me very, um, I don't know, very angry at that moment. And I remember as I was sitting there, we had this cubicle set up where there's about three other people uh, sitting uh, there with me. And so as I was watching this video, I wanted the other people's opinion. I said, hey, guys, check this out. And they came came over and I showed them the footage. And as I was looking at this, the guy over to, to my right, he's looking at it too and he says, oh, you're one of those people. And I asked, what, what people? And he says, uh, uh, you want to, you know, one of those that don't believe that uh, 9-11 was perpetrated by terrorists. And I said, there's people like that, <laughs> you know, it got me more curious because I wasn't aware, you know, I just believed the official stories everyone else did. You know, that kind of got me down the rabbit hole that I'm still in. It rocked your world. It, it cracked open your little bubble. I know. It's happening to a lot of people, you know. They're watching this stuff on the YouTube and on, on, on the internet and their little bubble about how they think the world works is being cracked wide open. But they're staying in the anger, you know what I mean? They're staying in the, this is not right, this is not fair, they're lying to us, what's going on? And when I look out into the internet world, I see a lot of that confusion and anger and people discussing conspiracy, and they just get caught up in a whirlpool. But what I found with you is really interesting. You're in that little whirlpool for a while, that's confusion, but that questioning mind, you kept looking deeper to why this is happening, and you and you came out with some amazing answers. I have to say, I looked at that video that you, you talk about. When I saw the Pentagon, I knew from the get-go that a plane never hit that building, and I don't know why, and I couldn't reconcile it in my own mind. I couldn't understand what was happening, but I knew that a plane never hit that building. There was no evidence of a plane hitting that building, but I just let it go because thinking about it just confused me too much. I couldn't even imagine that the American that Americans could do that to themselves. And right. I just didn't want to think about it. I just didn't want to think about it. But there's a bigger picture going on here, much bigger picture. So keep going. So you wanted to find out what was happening. Right. Well, it, it, um, it wasn't that really complicated. I simply just had truth in mind. Yes. You know, I didn't set out to blame anything on anyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Although I was angry, and so initially I was getting a lot of things back that would make me more angry because after all, what you put out is what you get back. Yes, you know, exactly. So uh, I would go into research being all angry, going, how dare they do this? And, you know, do they think I'm stupid and all these other things. So naturally you attract more things to keep you in that state. Yes. Uh, so at the same time, like I said, I had that uh, truth seeking mindset as well because yes. I just I wanted to know the truth. You know, and um, as I was uh, searching all these different things, I came across uh, channeling. 
which was a bit different uh, for me based on anything that I've read about UFOs beforehand. And then obviously reading about all the papers and, you know, uh, the physics and, and all the possibilities of why 9-11 could not have really happened the way it did. Um, I guess having that truth aspect uh, in mind, I came across Channel, not really understanding, you know, why. It was something that I, when I looked at it, it seemed interesting. And so I started to listen uh, to these messages that were uh, being conveyed by an entity that calls itself, that calls itself Bashar, uh, channeled by Daryl Inka. And so at that time, the internet had, or YouTube had a lot more videos to, to watch uh, about him. And so I watched everything and anything I could because uh-huh. uh, uh, everything he was saying made sense. Yeah. Um, and so it almost seemed like, oh, well, like a reminder. Everything they were saying, uh, yeah. it's... You know, basically touched a different part of me that I always known it was true. Yes. But I needed someone to just kind of remind me and point it out. And I go, oh, yes, that that describes the feeling I've been having. You've yeah. given words that before I did not know how to verbalize the, the emotions that I had about all of this. And so after that, you know, basically made the adjustments, made the changes that he would recommend regarding everything, uh, belief systems, uh, regarding things we do uh, to look at whether or not they're habits, why they're habits, um, you know, and, and um, those steps is what basically uh, got me to where I'm at today. We can go into whatever aspect of that you would like. When I was watching your story before, you said you wanted to know truth, so you went into the, into the woods and you basically spent five years in solitude finding your truth in solitude like you said before you moved out of the city well I mean I still um, I still worked a nine-to-five job but I came home I came home to nothingness so to say it was just just the trees the sun you know sunset sunrise and there was no one else unless I invited them that would distract me and so it uh, changes your a perspective sometimes about things. I mean, here I am for one portion of the day with uh, in the city of 2.5 million people. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the other portion of the day, I am absolutely alone with just me, the trees and the squirrels, you know, and um, that allowed for, for the soul searching that uh, made it more possible to, uh, to just live out the things that Bashar was suggesting yeah. uh, uh, to, to follow up on those things he was suggesting. And um, uh, if you, again, if you like, I can go into some of those aspects too. Well, I love the bit about how you were impatient to know truth and you were, you were finding a lot of truth in your solitude and your meditation and, 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 and practicing you know, the teachings of Bashar, but you actually wanted to accelerate it and you took some plant medicine and you had an amazing right. awakening. So during, I was blown, I've never taken plant medicine and I have to say, a few years back, I was quite critical of it, thinking, you don't need that stuff, you can just meditate. But my guides actually said to me, yes, you can just meditate and you will receive. But depending on your subconscious blocks, it's a lot slower, depending on your subconscious blocks, because a lot of people hold on to the, what they believe and they don't want to let it go. And, um, and meditation will open you, it will crack you open and have you dissolve quite a lot of that stuff. But plant medicine just accelerates that process. And I said, okay, I get that. I get that. It can accelerate it. Right. What I well, found... I mean, it goes... It, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think it goes back, um, you know, like uh, goes back to the belief system. Um, 
you know, we all have grown up that whatever it is, you know, plant medicine, drugs, whatever you want to call it, whatever definition of it yeah. that we have, it's a definition that we bought into. Um, that we bought into as children because, again, going back to authority, you know, authority, whether it's mom and dad, whether it's uh, police, whether it's government, uh, governmental structure, whichever, they say no. So you say, okay, I want to follow. I want to be good. You know, I want to, I want to be part of the society. So you tell me what I need to do and I will do it, you know. And so <clears throat> uh, part of changing that belief system, and that wasn't, it was many years, uh, well, many years compared to that, that only took it within a week for me to get over those beliefs about what I thought about psychedelics, you know, what I thought about these uh, tripping journeys, if you will. Because before that, I was working with just other belief systems about just general fears that I had, you know, about uh, animals themselves, because being in the woods, there would be snakes, you know, there would be, um, you know, bears uh, um, that have been reported in that area. And then even... um, uh, at some point, some mountain lions as well. You know, so anyway, that was a fear, you know, which meant to me it was a belief. Like, what belief do I hold to be true about them that makes me fear them? Yeah. You know, and so I was working on that long before I came to this. It was just then later uh, when it came to my life and all these other things that, you know, to look at loss and what are loss, you know, and uh, to look at, like you said, the psychedelics and all that. That's when I changed my mind about, about I said, well, I, I can't say that psychedelics are bad because I've never tried it. So mm-hmm. it would just be another belief system that now, that now I'm propagating and telling others, but yet I do not know, which yeah. to me made me feel like a liar, <laughs> you know? And so um, naturally, and as I mentioned before, I always tell people, you have to be responsible for what it is that you do. You know, you have to uh, feel about whatever plant medicine, as you call it, whatever you want to try, you have to follow your gut and be responsible for yourself. You might have heard it from someone about it, but at the end of the day, it is your responsibility. So whatever happens on it, you can't go back and say, it's your fault. Or excuse me, you're the one decided to try it. You know, So you have to be responsible uh, with everything you do. You have to, like I said, you have to be uh, your own master and decision-making in your life. It's just a little bit of about that that I would like to put out, you know, because in case somebody gets the idea, says, well, so-and-so said it's okay, so I better try it. But don't do it for my sake, you know, do it because you want to well, find out. As you know, yeah, as you said before, you've said before, you know, it's a different experience for some. I know a lot of people, look, I have a friend here that's her father's very famous and he takes people on these journeys and she's taken many, 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 she's done it many, many times. And it hasn't really rocked her world, you know. And what you, someone can take it and have an amazing experience and that it completely changes them. So it's really different for the individual, absolutely different for the individual and, and right. what is right for the person at the time. And I would say if you're going to do it, you know, tune into how it feels. And if it doesn't feel right, and don't do it, you know. Or, yeah. And don't do it because you're you're looking for an outcome either. Like this, right. is, this is going to make me know everything because that that's inside wanting and inside wanting. Right. There's no manifestation, as you know. You've got to let go of wanting because wanting right. is an idea that you don't already have it. And when you're and when we're talking about manifestation, it's the vibration of knowing who you are and what you have and what's possible that allows more possibility. 
you've got to let go of wanting. But your experience was amazing. What happened during your experience? Well, uh, um, I just want to add something real quick. Uh, before that, I mean, I was meditating. I mean, I was meditating exactly. and uh, breathing and doing all these different exercises that uh, really yield some very interesting experiences. Um, but uh, like when it came to that, because it's a, a seemingly uh, an act that you have to slowly get yourself into, uh, now I know it's just a, another word, you know, for permission slip. Um, you can always back out. So when you're on, on, for example, meditating, and let's say it's been maybe an hour or two, not that it has to take that long, but you really are slowly tuning into who you are and what's going on around you, um, you can always stop yourself. You can always say, oh, this is too much. I can't go there. I don't want to go there because it does bring up a lot of things within you that you have to look into because if, it, if you're meditating and that's what comes up, it's a relevant aspect of you. you know? And so you can always stop yourself. And that's when I kind of realized like, I have to go to use a different permission slip that seemingly gets me there regardless of how much I kick and scream. <laughs> you know? And so that was the initial decision of why then to, to finally, because um, uh, I've, I've done many different models, um, and I don't know if you want me to go into the specific names of them too. Initially, I was uh, hesitant about revealing them, to be honest. I don't even know really why. Uh, what I found is that they all took me to the same place, you know, and uh, that same place is uh, uh, now a lot easier to me uh, to access without anything. Uh, my favorite place, and as weird as it sounds, it's while I'm taking a shower. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a space of, of, of uh, neutrality on, you know, the white shower and, and uh, the, the generally, you know, um, uh, bathrooms are white, so it has that neutrality about it. So it just allows you to just be, I don't know, I guess be yourself. And so when you're quiet and you listen to, you know, what's coming your way, uh, it usually comes in a feeling. And then that feeling, you can uh, try to verbalize and then you'll know it comes as this chunk of information that you can literally write down and then you know it's like, that's not me. You know, there was someone else or something else that conveyed that to me. Yes. And so that's how it, or generally while I'm driving, that's how it happens. Yes. It happens now. But initially to get me to those stages to understand, I needed that permission slip. Different kinds, which I just realized now they're, it's the same thing. And on those things by themselves, it helped kind of to disconnect from this reality, which is uh, important to, to mention. Because sometimes we can't have a full experience trying to drag our physical body and our, or our mind, our, our ego uh, with us. Sometimes we have to disconnect from that, uh, go there wherever it, where there is, experience it, explore it, and then come, come back to tell about it. And uh, certain experiences were more intense Others, uh, you know, not so much. They were very uh, easy and pleasant. Uh, all of it was uh, very present. It was just a, a difference in intensity, I should say. That sometimes the, the more you try to figure out, like I always, you know, like I am, um, sometimes I have to be careful what I wish for. The difference in, in the energy has a different effect on the body. So if it's, let's just say, an easy experience, or whatever it is, when I'm uh, just uh, getting into it and I'm realizing um, everything around me, around me is me and the people I talk to during the day, you know, with these different aspects of me trying to show me something that I need to know. 
that we, I guess, generally call life experience, um, those experiences are easier because uh, you feel this, uh, it just feels like a tingle through the body as you're experiencing it and, and understanding it, as it's, I should say, coming back to you. Because remember, we're all one, so whatever you put out is what you get back. So all these experiences were all these other aspects of me trying to tell me something. That information coming back has its level of energy. But the more you want to know, the more you, you want to get into the aspect of that you are, that we generally consider to be God, the more unbearable that energy becomes um, because it's so intense. And I can only describe it uh, as putting you know, your hand into the electric socket. You know, I mean, really, it will jolt your body and make you shake in ways that the person outside of you will not understand, you know, because uh, then you, you don't have the functionality of your vocal cords or your ego mind's processes to, of speech. You just have to let go of the body, let the energy overtake you, go where you need to go to learn what you need to learn, and then it will slowly subside. And then you come back. I call it, I, call, I always call it going crazy and coming back. <laughs> Yeah. In order to know God, you have to be out of your mind. I think that that yes, was yes, pretty much. conversations with God books. Yeah, I've got a sticker on my fridge that says, out of my mind, I'll be back in a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a fridge like that. Right. Okay, so what did you see during that experience of oneness, during that meditation, or what were you experiencing well, um, when you were out of your mind. <laughs> right, right. Well, what it, first, um, I want to say more, my most pressing issues were addressed during that time. What, because, what were they? Well, um, initially, uh, having grown up in, in a uh, Bosnian family, and I'm not blaming Bosnians for being Bosnians, but uh, generally in, in the Bosnian family, they're a lot more stricter about their upbringing. So, you know, uh, here in America, usually kids just get told no or you're time out and you go in the corner and you've been bad. But there, it's like you get the shit beat out of you. Pardon my French. You know, so uh, just having gone through that for most of my childhood, um, uh, it was, it, it kind of creates a little bit of it resentment towards your parents. And so it made me angry. Uh, you know, I remember trying to talk to him and said, you could have just told me why did you have to do what you did? And even they, they say, you know, we were just, you know, I was their firstborn and they did not want me to turn out, the, you know, into this bad apple. So they, they tried to do whatever they thought was important to instill discipline in me. I mean, I guess you can say for my ego mind at that time, the damage was done. And so what happened next while I was having that experience? The first thing after I was, while I was going through the process, I actually, the very first time that I had a very intense experience, I actually had to, it's difficult for people to understand, I had to die in order for me to go and do what I needed to do at that time. I needed to leave the body behind, uh, have this experience, uh, not knowing at that time whether or not I would be back, but uh, knowing after I crossed over, I knew I will come back. You know, and the experience was that, I saw my mom and dad, and they're not dead, you know, they're still alive and very young, you know, but um, I saw these two beings that 
One was my mom, the other one was my dad, and they were about in their, you know, mid-20s. And so they were so young because I've, I've, you know, always as a kid, they're always, you know, getting older and older. So I've never really known them or remembered them being this young. And so I sort of, I guess, floated, if you will, over to them. And, um, you know, I just hugged my mom, you know, because I was so excited to see him. I, it's, I remember thinking, like, well, hold on, why are they here? They're, they're not dead. They're still alive. Later on, I learned, I learned that's the higher aspect of themselves. The, low, the, the uh, lower aspect of them is still alive and having a life and experiences, but the higher is always on the other side. And yes. it's the case for all of us, Yes, you know. And so when I hugged my mom, uh, I immediately got images and feelings and this memory that before I was born, I begged them. I begged them to be who they are, uh, for them to squeeze me, you know, to, to really, you know, as they did beat the shit out of me, you know, so that I can um, have that difficult life, that different, this difficultness in my heart that I would try to work out that would eventually get me to where I was so that then I could have this experience basically to change my entire belief system. And, and uh, I remember that very well, that I was begging, I said, please be who you are so I can become who I am, you know? And so... Makes me cry. I've got to get the tissues. Don't apologize. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's, okay. a, it's so as beautiful. Long as, the, as long as the tears of happiness. <laughs> tears of, you know, realisation. Keep going. Yeah, they, you begged your parents to be the shits that right. they are. Yeah. <laughs> Please, right. so, <laughs> as I was as I, I was having this remembrance, I immediately had this feeling of um, being ashamed because I thought, looked back on all the bad thoughts I had towards them. Yeah. You know, you know what I, you know, every time they hit me, what I wanted to do back at them, you know, and 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 I felt so bad because it was nothing short of a begging on my part, you know, and because they love me, because they care so much for me, they agreed to play that role for me. Yeah. You know, now, of course, that was the whole point. I could not, I, you know, we're not all, uh, we don't allow ourselves to remember that agreement. Otherwise, it would not have been a rich experience. You know, if I remembered, oh, you're just doing what I told you to do, you know, it would, it would, it would not have been the same. It's almost like taking a test where you already know all the answers to it. It, it, it just would not have had that same effect. You know, and so I immediately felt ashamed for being so rude to them, you know, after only doing what I asked them to. That obviously um, changed my whole perspective, changed my entire relationship with them. You know, so that this, anger. This was during an out-of-body experience. Were you in meditation or was it? Um... No, no, this was, um, um, I had uh, taken um, Hawaiian baby Woodrow seeds. Oh, okay. So this is during one of your um, ayahuasca or your um, right. plant medicine. Okay. Well, I, I, call, I call it a shamanic experience. Because a shamanic it, experience. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It was. It was a because um, mm-hmm. I learned about this as some some kind of uh, a plant that's that grows in South America. So I was reading yeah. about this. And what did they say to you when you were hugging them and and feeling ashamed for being? so resentful when they disciplined you so strictly what were they well see well um the interaction was not that long it was it was the one interaction of uh, many that followed in that instance so it was mainly just to imagine like a quick you know hey hello how are you you know good to see you i just want to say hi i gotta go you know 
that type of type of experience. So I had that, I remembered, and um, then I actually went on to have more of what I call shamanic experiences would describe different things. Because after that, um, I all of a sudden instantly found myself in another environment. Okay. And another environment was uh, just a city, a city that I, I don't know that I that I've been to before, but it was simply a city with um, just all these guys around me, you know? And so as I'm uh, standing there, they're laughing. So I'm laughing with them, but not knowing how I got there. Uh-huh. I was trying to, here I am trying to figure out, hold on a minute, what just happened? How did I get here? You know, it was very limited understanding. I just, I don't remember how I got there. I just know that they're standing there laughing. So I kind of laughed with them as my mind is going nuts. I was like, what's going on? You know? And, um, all of a sudden, uh, one of the guys turns around and he uh, sees this young lady crossing the street. And he's like, whoa, you know, kind of like paying attention to her as most young guys would yeah. for a young female. And I looked over and at that time, it would be D-type. If I were to have a type, it would be the type of girl I would like to meet, you know. Yeah. And um, so I was looking and I was just mesmerized because I didn't think it was possible to actually have all that aspect of what I wanted, you know, in the opposite sex to be walking down the street, so to say. Okay. Well, as I was looking, um, you know, all of a sudden I looked, I was looking back at myself and all those guys standing there. And I was like, what just happened? You know, and as I'm walking, I look down and I feel feminine. I, you know, have boobs and, you know, I'm walking, you know, very uh, sexy in a kind of way. And as I'm realizing what just happened and I'm looking at myself through her eyes and how not only is she an aspect of myself, yes, but just another aspect is having a different experience. So as I was learning all that too, it was just, it was too much for me to take. It was freaking me out. So I just wanted to get out. You know, and so I got out of that experience and continued having many more. But I just want to f- finish this one up because last time I presented in Kansas City, I didn't get to finish this part. Yeah. What happened is all the other experiences, I always uh, had an experience and I got an answer back. I had an explanation why uh, what's happening, why it was happening. Well, as um, as this experience concluded, there was no explanation. It just kind of left me in the dark. And so um, after I was done with that whole journey, it took a long time, you know, several hours. And I came back. It was about two, three weeks later. Again, I was in the shower and it was driving me nuts. I was trying to figure out why was there no explanation? You know, I was, why, I was trying to figure this out. And as I'm taking a shower, this feeling just overcomes me. And it was just this very simple feeling that I could only translate into words saying, you are your greatest fear and you are the love of your life. Yes. You know? And so, but it's, it's kind of <laughs> from this human perspective, just messed up my whole uh, preconceived idea I had about, you know, I guess, you know, that guys have for females and females have for males, you know, because you have those thoughts, you know, about attraction and they're hot and all these other things. But then to realize that everything is you and to have those feelings of attraction and, um, and lust towards yourself was really weird. You know, it was just a turn off if you felt to use a, to use a different word. I want you to say that again. You are your greatest fear and you are the love of your life. Yes. That's uh, why I guess I, I still haven't figured out why I wasn't given that answer right away, but that's okay. I still got an answer back. It's a big one. It's a big one. I'm just going right. to pause for a sec. 
Closing up the library. We've got to get rolling with this story. So where are we? We're at your greatest fear and the love of your life is you. So your guides were showing you that in this out-of-body adventure. To be honest, even to this day, um, I've kind of uh, changed my perspective on guides because before I would always think of it as, as a group of uh, beings or entities that are out there to help me, kind of guide me through this this experience, but after the uh, the experience, it just changed my perspective because everything is you, you know. So there are just other aspects of yourself that basically have different experiences um, that we generally would call uh, masters and advanced beings and all these other things. So for me, I, it's I just kind of stop trying to give them an outside role when it's all within. Yes. You know, so I, I would not say that there would be my guides. It would just be the, the higher aspect of me uh, showing me something about the lower aspect of myself. Yeah. You know, this is something that I'm coming to understand as well because as a, as a young a kind of psychic person, I never had a higher self that had a name. You know, like, um, like you said, you saw your parents in their 20s and it was like their higher self. Right. But, you know, there are different aspects of ourself in different levels of development and the highest of high aspect of ourself or the broadest of broad aspect of ourself is, of course, God, which is all and everything, which, you know, created the all and the everything. And so we can talk about our higher self as being like a, an aspect of our personality or our guides as an aspect of us or our group our soul family or our spiritual team or our or the league the leagues like the the angelic realm or the the galactic realm or the federation of light you know we can get broader and broader and broader and broader and then obviously when we become the the it's all us you know the the archangel is us the the guide is me and so my guides always said to me you know we're a collective consciousness you're not speaking right. to one person. We can give you a personality, a name and a personality if you want, right. but you're speaking to a collective and that is your higher self. And I'm like, okay, trying to work that out from this, from this perspective. And then I realised that my true higher self is, of course, all of it, God, you know, the Godhead, right. all of it. So there's just, level, there's just the different levels that we're talking to. If we can right. say levels that way. It doesn't have to be higher or lower, just different aspects, different aspects. Yeah, aspects I think is the best aspects. way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Um, you know, uh, this journey, it's not done for me. I mean, <laughs> it's, still going, it's still going on. Yeah. And, you know, um, having now since roughly around, you know, from 2010 all the way up until now, there's also the other aspects of ourselves that, they're also, uh, I'm learning a lot about this. And uh, um, it's, I don't want to put too much stuff too out there because I'm still in the process of trying to gather the understanding about it myself. Yes. But, you know, from, from this level, it's always, it's nice to talk and discuss um, all these things about all these uh, possibilities and, and other aspects and beings and oneness. But several times now I've had the experience of that oneness, but from my perspective as Adnan, so that was very limited. It was just something I was shown. And I've been there a few times and every single time it was this extreme fear. And uh, it would also be a feeling of uh, despair. Because try to understand, 
we always say this, but we don't quite really, it's not quite really ingrained in us. There is no one else here. Yes. It's just you talking to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and everything else that's around you is just created by you. So when I was in these different realms trying to look at something else that's not, that's not me, outside of me, I just couldn't find it. Everything I found is just found another version of me, another version of this. And I was like, am I all alone? You know, and so without trying to get too much into that aspect of because I'm I, I don't want people to fear it, you know, because it's something that I don't understand. I keep seeking it. I keep going after it to understand it. So when I understand more about this in the future, I, of course, I will try to convey that. But um, <clears throat> so right now where I'm at, you know, for me over the years, the first three years into it, I got past this concept of oneness and being together and happiness and love and all that, you know, um, it's basically, it's like the yin and yang sign. The more you get exposed to the light, the more darkness you discover. And also vice versa, the more darkness you discover, the more light you will. So I guess right now I call this my, my dark period, you know, to where it's not the kind of darkness that we think where people are cruel to each other and killing each other and all these other things, but it's more of, um, you know, getting over fears like uh, they're equivalent to people having of water, you know, where you all of a sudden are submerged in this vast ocean of everything and you kind of trying to find and reconcile your place in it, you know. So think of that on a spiritual level. And those are the things that, you know, I've been you know going through lately, you know, but uh, that does not mean that anything else that I've experienced up to that makes it any less valid. It's just now becoming aware of more, you know, because uh, like I was mentioned before, that light and dark aspect of ourselves is ingrained in everything. It, it is when we're having this experience uh, from that perspective of dissolving into the ocean or dissolving into the right. light there is no and that's what that's why I'm, that's why i'm saying every there's, experience i had was from my point of view yeah. as, so i'm going in it because it is it's contradictory to the previous experiences because you know i would have an experience and have this vast understanding of why it is you know now it's like this period of having similar experiences but from a limited point of view so it's almost like it's showing me to pointing fears in me saying look at that look at yeah that. totally you know? yeah right so yeah. it's something that i'm working on now because the more experience you want to gain um it changes you physically changes you mentally and um it changes your entire relationship with reality it does it does it, it changes yeah for, for the better i would imagine you know something that i saw in you when i saw you speak last time was just looking at you going, oh, he's just moved beyond duality. Because when you move beyond duality, when you move beyond the play of opposites, you understand that everything that happens is happening for us and not to us, including things like 9-11. And it's interesting that you were trying to understand it from our perspective, which says there's right and wrong, good and bad, you know, God and evil. But you move beyond that duality to realise that it looks tragic and lives were lost and trauma happened, but it actually happened for us. You said that that you spoke to some beings that are overseeing our planet. How did you put it? I wouldn't say I spoke to them. I became aware of them and okay. it was shown to me what it is that they do. 
but it was in response to a question about somebody wanting to get more into 9-11 and about the conspiracy theories about 9-11 and who did what exactly. And I was just trying to say, look, I went there to find out and I did, yeah. but it, uh, uh, it would not serve your purpose because it'll just add more to the fear when there was really nothing to fear about, you know? And so I did not want to share that piece of information about the specifics of 9-11 and who did what to whom and why and all these other things. What I did go into, and it was just one thing that I shared, it's about as I was having an experience with friends, uh, two, of, uh, two of my other friends, uh, we were getting to a point to where we did not have to speak each other anymore. We could just connect and understand, you know, uh, that, you know, who we are to each other, you know, and uh, I was saying there was some money on the table. And as I looked down, I saw, you know, the, the eye in, on the on the bills. And so we're like, oh, look, the Illuminati. And we all started laughing and like, oh, they're trying to kill us, you know. And so as the other two were laughing, um, because at that time, I've, um, it's been happening a lot to me, as we're laughing, the, my experience changes and I go deeper. You know, I went deeper into it. So while they were still laughing, I just went into because something drew my attention to say there's more about this, you know, about this all-seeing eye. What I saw at that time, I said five to six. I want to say it's more like five to seven. Not that it really mattered adding one more, but just just that I could not see a clear picture of, you know, and it wasn't so much visually, it was feeling it. It was feeling these connections you know, of what's going on and who's out there. And it was a feeling of this uh, collective um, oversoul, I guess, of all of us that is uh, that has chosen not to play this game in the way we play it, uh, you know, to have these lives and be born and reborn and whatnot. They're, they're kind of beings that are in charge to just kind of um, maintain the sanity of, of the earth, um, you know, in a, in a sense to where... From the higher level to down, they'll, they'll translate into physicality. They'll translate into physical people, uh, but they would still, they would not be playing our mind games that we play them. You know, yes. they would be aware, they would be, like I said, business owners and landowners and these big corporations and companies that uh, are running the world in the sense that if everything was too discordant, if we all just came here down here and did whatever the hell we wanted, you know, we knew that it would destroy the planet and ourselves. So they're kind of like the people that just kind of keep, uh, keep everything, the ship afloat until we rise up to their level, you know, to where then we would understand who we are and why we're here in our roles so that then we can all collectively kind of run the planet together, you yes. know, that's what's going towards that oneness, that one world order. Now, of course, we're over the time, and I haven't looked too much into it, where did that shift happen that we now all of a sudden change this uh, one world order into something evil? Because you yeah. know, when you go on these different sites, it's always this evil thing. That's it. You know? That's it. That's what I wanted to talk and to you so, about. Because they're right, always talking about the Illuminati or the powers that be right. or, the, or the cabal or, you know, you watch... Well, podcast. because it was a contradiction of words, you know, to me to say... You know, there's the Illuminati around the world and they all want to kill us. It's like, so why would you call yourself the Illuminated ones? You know, yes. that makes no sense. And so, uh, so I understood that what these actions of just running things the way they run on the planet so that we can have a society and a system and uh, healthcare and welfare and all these other things, they're just kind of maintaining it for us while we are going through our experience. You know, in that, as I mentioned before, even the people that we call the Rothschilds and the 
the people that meet at the, these Bilderberg meetings and uh, all these different places, even they are not on their level. You know, even they are just like, uh, I guess, lower playing actors, you know, that, that play the aspect of someone to have to, uh, to point fingers at, you know, initially, because people like to do that a lot. You know, like, it's their fault that we have this. It's their fault that we have that. But even they are not aware of this higher group, okay. you know. And so the whole point then is that they will maintain this until we all slowly understand who we are. And then we will just continue living the life on the planet that we want to live. Because otherwise, if we, we knew what we're coming into, coming down to this level of existence, we know yeah. Like I mentioned before, you know, we know what pushes our buttons. We know what we want. So <clears throat> we also understood that if we did not have some kind of guide, you know, an all-seeing eye that will watch over us, uh, you know, uh, we would, you know, kind of destroy ourselves. And so that was that understanding that I gained for me. Now, of course, you know, if I didn't ever start talking at uh, these different meetings and not talking to you, I would have really not shared it with anyone else because it was an understanding that I gained for myself, you know, but and it's there's no accidents, you know, I guess if I'm supposed to talk about it and share it's a, it. Yeah, it's an understanding that's hard to understand because there's so much uh, information out there on the internet talking about the evil cabal and the evil Illuminati and the reptilian Draco are controlling us. And there's so much about this, you know, that, and, you know, from our human perspective, we like to fight the good fight. We like to say, right. yes, dark against evil. And I'm on the side of the light, you know, like we right, love right. that story. We love that story. I'm gaining an understanding of what you're saying, listening to you. Uh, because I really believe that everything happens for us and not to us and it's all for our highest good and all the contrast that we experience is all a benefit. Just like you said about your parents, you know, you asked right. them to be strict and to, to treat you that way, like your soul wanted that because you wanted to experience that. Uh, you wanted to experience the contrast, the freedom and the constriction and without experiencing both aspects of the play of the duality the polar you know the play of opposites you wouldn't understand what it is to be human and what it is to be asleep and then awaken right and, uh, we know because I, I was um you know i thought even later i was just uh you know coming from when you're down to this level again and and you know you especially when it came down to at that moment whether or not i should or would want to share it with somebody it was an experience that was very clear you know, that was very clear of how it's happening, why it's happening. But then when you come down, you forget about some of those things. It's just yeah. the, the, that game. And so, you know, I, um, especially for being uh, in public and talking to people and, and knowing what what that can bring about, it's like, I do not want to put out information that, that is false or maybe confusing to people, you know. But I thought about that and I was like, well, you know, I doubt how that could ever be a lie, you know, based on just the experience that I've had because it was very open and very understanding and go, oh, okay, that was weird. I did never heard of this before, you know, even being online. I just heard about Illuminati are evil, you know, and then all of a sudden there's this other view of it. My journeys have not stopped and probably will continue until the day I die. What I would argue with you, sorry to interrupt because I know we're running out of time because they're going to kick you out of the library soon. But what I want to argue, what I want to present to you is that people would say, okay, so you said 
this group of beings, they, they keep everything in order so that we don't destroy ourselves and the planet. But what people would say is that we are destroying ourselves and the planet. You know, we're polluting the planet and there are, there are 2 billion people that don't have enough to eat and that are starving on the planet. You know, I think a third of the population of our world lives under what we would call in the West the poverty line and there's so much illness and you know people look around especially what the mainstream media is presenting through news and say the planet's in a mess so these people are not doing a great job what would you say to that well in the same sense that i had an awakening from this um you know great struggle and difficulty in life um it is their struggle and difficulty you know because uh, wherever whether you're uh, in Africa or in India or any of those other countries that have the difficulties right now, there will be uh, soul aspects that will rise up from that, that would, uh, you know, bring about new ideas, new ways of thinking, you know, uh, even more so than the gurus have done for all this time, you know, that will then, will change. Instead of having a follower scenario, it would be an awakening by all of us, but not just from this, you know, one morning you wake up and all of a sudden you're awake. It would be a process of people constantly being faced with all these difficulties and challenges that will make them learn more about themselves to where then wherever they live, they will do everything they can to better their environment and better their lives. And it seems to be the whole aspect of our process. And so sometimes in other areas, it has to be a greater struggle than in others. Uh, but what I saw from that point is that, remember, we're all, we're all one. We're all aware of why we're here. You know, so just because the ego mind is not aware and not everyone can have the experience of having a body experience and have that understanding, uh, there is still the higher aspect of every other ego mind aspect that's out there. So even they, you know, are going to work out their issues and work out their problems with food and water and all these other things to where it will better the environment, you know, so that it'll better their living conditions. Yeah, exactly. In the book series that I'm putting together called The Awakening Soul Series, one of my authors, we're doing the first book is on death, surviving death, personal stories of transformation. One of my authors, her son was shot in a senseless murder and then her older son, who was 12 at the time, some people from Rwanda reached out to him because they heard about it on the news and talked about their story being in the massacre during Rwanda where a million. Mm. And they said that, you know, when they all were orphans, these kids, and they said that after their physical wounds healed, they started to appreciate just the t- the little things in life like water and a safe place and and someone feeding them and just those tiny things that we take for granted and when you look at it from a soul's perspective you know to understand gratitude sometimes you need to be in this devastating you know, they they had this experience where they saw every one they knew murdered and right. they were they were slashed and murdered them you know, like tried to be killed them and they were buried under bodies and they right. came out and like it's a hideous story but they well, learned about I, um, gratitude uh, and they learned about survival and they learned so many things and now they're reaching out to help others and, right. and well, can i just give you a quick little perspective um I hope I'm not going to get too much backlash by my fellow Bosnians out there. But, for example, uh, Bosnia itself went through, through a war. 
Yes. And so, uh, you know, there was an aspect that I looked into why all these different things were happening. So for one, we were all playing a role for each other, you know, as, as hard as, as it's to understand that, you know, even the ones dying have you know, done us a great service by playing that role of grief for us. You know, to, they created that grief that we all needed to go into what, what into what it is that we needed. But if you looked at Bosnia before the war, it was very ingrained in its belief system. It was very, you know, very uh, rigid. And so these sorts of beings understood that they needed something like a war to break them out of that struggle, you know, to break them out of that rigidness. And so when you look at it now, there's not almost not one part you know, on the planet that there's not a Bosnian because they, they went to all these different portions of the world, um, you know, out of necessity to flee, to find a better life. Mm-hmm. But then what they've done is now they've brought back a new understanding, a new way of looking at life that was brought back from all the other portions of the world that now are being gathered back into Bosnia. So now you have all these people that have all this knowledge and understanding about, hey, there can be other ways. We can do things differently, you know. And so in that way, they, they were bringing about and have been bringing about this change in the entire country. Yes. You know, so there's a great lesson to be learned from wars, you know, and other forms of struggle. Have you been to the Bosnian Pyramid? No, I haven't. I actually, I wanted to do an interview uh, with Samir and... Um, yeah. Uh, I have not gotten a chance to because I figured it would be give me an excuse to go back and visit because I, I United States is my home now. I know. I want to tell you about, because um, we'll have to wrap it up now because you, you, we've got to go. I interviewed a man called Michael Gorgian who is an actor who's a Bosnian and he made a movie called Illusion, uh, which I think you'll love. But uh, maybe I'll connect you too and you can do a lovely interview with him too. He's beautiful. He's an actor and a director mm. and a filmmaker and right. another a fellow Bosnian. I was just thinking about, you know, there are Bosnians all over the world and as you said that I thought, right. yeah, you know, I've <laughs> interviewed Michael. And, right. and then, uh, you know, I've interviewed someone that went to the Bosnian pyramids and, and she's an Australian energy healer and earth grid activator and she was telling me her stories and, and, and adventure at the pyramids and, there's so much more to talk to you about and we'll have to do another one, I think, another session, another um, show because you're just so full of so much wisdom and knowledge and experiences and I just want to thank you. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be happy to. Um, yeah. Thanks again for I mean, having me on. I, um, you know, I don't know what happened. I mean, here I am spending most of the time behind the camera. All of a sudden I have to be in front of it. <laughs> Look, my guides tell me who to speak to. They, t- they say, like, get this person out from behind that camera. And I do. I speak to a lot of nervous people. And sometimes it takes me like a year or two to actually get them, their face on television, on, you know, on camera because they're so nervous about it. And, yeah, as I said to you before, it took me 10 years to put my face on camera because I just, like you, I wanted to be, I wanted to be private and I wanted to be anonymous and I didn't want attention and... Uh, and my guides just said to me or my higher self or whoever, you know, my, my, the other aspect of me, the broader aspect of me said, it's right. not about you. It's about the message that you bring and, um, right. and putting a face behind the message because we relate to each other as personalities, you know. Putting that right. face behind the message allows that message to um, expand and, you know, we're coming up to meet that group that you were talking about so that right. we can run this world as a collective and not have 
not have those people run it for us like we're little children because consciously we are little children and but we're growing and we're graduating so that we can run our own show yeah we can well i mean honestly they're just doing us a favor they're not running it because we're children we're running it because we come with masters you know and so we're just you know putting somebody in charge and you know so we can put our full intention uh, you know and attention to what it is that we're doing what did you say they're running it because we're what masters because we're masters and we need our full attention and intention to where we're at right now. Yeah, beautiful. Is there any final thing you'd like to leave with people before we go? I'm going to tell you the same thing that I was being told as I was in my process of dying, you know, okay. experience of experience. There's nothing that will trump experience. You can believe whatever you want, but with the day you set out to learn and experience it yourself, it will change the way you look at everything. Beautiful experience yeah but I have to say when you do look out onto the internet and you do learn things it starts you questioning and then that questioning summons experience it summons the experience to give to you so that you can know it more fully I found you know reading my books and when I was young before the internet I used to question stuff and and go how does that work and then life would show up and show me exactly how that works you know, like where there is no resistance, there is no pain. I read that and I'm like, how does that work? And then I was given the experience of falling over and taking my knee off after I found out a good friend had died mm-hmm. and I was in this like place of no resistance. Oh, I'll have to go to hospital. I have to cancel some clients. Like just in this sort of place of no resistance and I had no physical pain. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they gave me the experience of something I read and uh, that's how life works. You, you, you find out about it, you go, how does that work? And then life shows up and it says, this is how that works, let me show you. <laughs> right, right. Not always easy though. Adnan, thank you for being on the show. Wasn't Adnan, isn't he beautiful? Isn't he a wonderful man? Just beautiful, salt of the earth, amazing, gorgeous man. I'm going to invite him back on the show because he's got so much more to, to share and... Uh, as we discussed, he's always behind the camera. You never really, you never really hear his story, and uh, it's so beautiful to hear his story and his understanding. If you've got any questions about what we talked about, let us know. Put them under the YouTube uh, comments, or um, you know, contact me on my website and uh, send us your questions. About I, I get quite a few questions on the YouTube channels, like why do we experience suffering? Why do we have to go through suffering? Um, how do we create our own reality? Why would we create terrible things like war and famine and poverty and why, why, why? And I have to say I asked all those questions and asking those questions is the first step to coming to an understanding and then to a knowing of who you are and why you're here and how you can help. So thanks again for watching Accentuate the Positive. If you want to delve into this deeper, we have a webinar series called the Inner Sanctum webinar series where we discuss all these things And we have guest speakers on and we teach deliberate creation, how we create our own reality. So join us in the webinar series. If you want to really know more about who you are and why you're here, my guides can tell you all about that. So come and have a session with me. And remember to subscribe. I have to remember to say that if you like the channel for more interviews coming up. Thanks again for joining. Love you all. Bye for now.